Welcome to the Fashion Lab. The show that dissects the business behind fashion. Welcome to the Fashion Lab show, the show that dissects the business behind fashion. My name is Lisa Ogumbo Regisford, your host, and thank you for tuning in. Now, it's glamour, it's style, and many call it fashion, but what really goes behind the scenes, or really what goes down, is quite unfortunate. Now, on today's show, we are back to dissecting the conversation around labor exploitation in the fashion industry, which begins from one part of the fashion value chain all the way to the other end of the pie. Now, it's definitely not looking good, and that is why we are here to dissect this conversation on today. So I think it's actually crucial. Check into your favorite shop or online shop uh, or wherever it is, whether it's physically or online. Do you ever ask yourself the question, who made the clothes? Or better yet, when you get up in the morning and sort of make that important stop into your closet, do you even think about it twice? Like, who actually made the clothes? So I think for me, my biggest thing is we can look good, you can feel good. But I think that what we wear and sort of understanding the depth of who it actually implicates through its manufacturing process is the crucial question today. Um, I also have made it a tradition and Fashion Lab uh, or the Fabsters would know that, you know, when we ask the question, uh, who made your clothes or who are you wearing? It's not really to tell you about our Louboutins or Cher or, or, or sort of like <laughs> throw shade, but it's actually about the fact that we want to sensitize you as a consumer to becoming more aware and conscious about these things. Now, garment workers uh, have been making many headlines lately. You know, you've got your fashion giants like Calvin Klein, you've got H&M, Tommy Hill, Zara, Marc Jacobs, even my favorite coach, Michael Kors, Topshop. I mean, the list literally just goes on. And a real question will take more than a written statement. And I think that this is why uh, we are still not stepping up to a more ethical way of business practice, but it's time to actually flip the table. Now, according to an article I came across on the fashion law around this issue, there is an emphasis that if even if brands have to eradicate labor exploitation, they have to take more control over their supply chains. So they open themselves up to the risk of serious legal liability. Now, for me, what was shocking about this sort of uh, conversation, and we'll share the link, is what is actually more important? Is it the legal liability that these brands would face, or is it actually human rights? I want us to take a music break, and we'll be right back with more just unpacking this conversation as we dissect the business behind fashion with a focus on labor exploitation in the fashion industry.
Fashion Lab Radio, the show that dissects the business behind fashion. And before getting into deep in today's topic, um, allow me to introduce our contributors who bring the show to live uh, through their interesting yet diverse insights. Now, we will be joined by our contributor and partner, Edgy Benson, with his echoes from New York. Edgy also runs Enui New York. And uh, we will also be joined by fashion expert Francisca Marzilli, all the way from Lisbon, with her echoes from Europe. And lastly, we'll be also joined by Zakia Bam from our brand new Glamish segment with a few tips and tricks around our daily beauty regimens and lifestyle. So stay tuned, catch up with our wine style guide where we touch base with everything stylish about wine and style which go hand in hand. And lastly, lastly, <laughs> I won't even stop all. <laughs> lastly, as a quick reminder to you who look out uh, or to you who don't know is there's my favorite segment at the end of the show called Who? Would you want to dress? <laughs> Wait, let me do this again. Who would you want to dress? So feel free to share with us your who's and your why's. Um, this is the segment that we use to unwind after heavy conversations. Uh, keep your tweets coming. We're on Fashion Lab AF uh, on Twitter. And we are on Fashion Lab Africa on Instagram and Facebook. Share with us your thoughts. We definitely want to hear from you. Now, uh, for years and years, Ethiopia has harbored ambitions to become the world's next destination for textile and fashion production. And yet, entry-level workers in the country's garment industry are the lowest paid in the world, earning a mere $26 a month, according to a study from the New York University's Stern Center for Business and Human Rights. So while the government has overseen sort of directives to attract global investment in the sector, uh, it obviously hasn't translated into a fully successful venture that benefits the workers. And uh, we're going to be plugging in a guest shortly who will also be able to unpack uh, sort of her insights around this uh, conversation. Abdi Latif Dahir on his Quartz Africa article around poor pay specifically focuses on the Hawassa Industrial Park, uh, which was built to boost exports and house labor-intensive factories, including your textile, your leather, and even agro-processing. Now, the park is located about 140 miles south of the capital, um, Addis, and the park currently has about 20, 25,000 employees producing garments for global brands. This includes Levi's and Guess. Um, I would like to introduce our special guest, Ryana Edwards, who is director of Harem Consult here in South Africa with her insights around this topic today. And uh, welcome to the show, Ryana. Let's roll over. Good morning. My name is Rayana. I'm a director of a company called Harem Consult. It's a fashion consultancy based in South Africa with my key focus on sustainability within the fashion space. Liz, thanks so much for picking up on the story on Ethiopia again. It's virtually overlooked, so thanks very much. We need to put more focus and attention to it. Because as much as the fashion revolution has grown in momentum after the Rana Plaza deaths, the reality of these stipends they're paying to garment workers is nothing but cruel and inhuman. And of course, the justification lies in the fact the con that the conditions and environment in which these workers are working is so much better. Yes, it is a new export manufacturing zone, so everything is new especially the building and the developing of a new economy within the clothing manufacturing in Ethiopia. But surely one learns from the past. The justification lies in the fact that the conditions and environment in which these workers are working is so much better. Yes, it will be better. It's a new export manufacturing zone. Everything is new, including the building and developing of this new economy within the clothing manufacturing industry. But surely one learns from the past. 
To date, we have had no responses publicly from companies that they're producing for, such as Calvin Klein, Guess, Levi's and H&M. One has to question the transparency issue and also, of course, the sustainable issues around this. Again, another argument which has been placed in front of this situation is that these women are earning something or money which is better to what they had. Better to what they had? Let's unpack this as, again, it weighs heavily on Africa's psyche. It keeps Africa inferior and not good enough to be earning a decent living wage. Quote, we should be grateful for being given the opportunity to work on these brands. Unquote. That's me. You know, it's it's you're not dishing out any freebies here. We're talking about women's dignity and their well-being. Well, India, in Bangladesh in particular, women were mobilized and the international community could shine a spotlight on the atrocities of their working conditions. So companies were forced to look elsewhere as women are beginning to stand up for their rights. This is, of course, possible when the vision is shared and you have a disaster such as the fire where more than 350 lives were lost. So back to Ethiopia. How much time and energy is being utilized in this space? Surely new business models could be driven to facilitate this differently? The fashion industry, as we know, is known for its two-faced and contradictory um, appropriations. And is this another example of exploitation? So, Rihanna, thank you so much for your insights. We really appreciate them, and there's so much truth to them. Um, But my last question really is, where do you see this going? How do you see it getting um, sort of controlled and managed in a way that we can actually start moving towards the right direction? Unless we persist in holding these companies accountable and keep questioning the conditions around these contracts, they will slowly move into Africa. In fact, they're already here. Leave Africa alone. We have enough talent and skill to drive this economy. Thank you. And we would like to offer our products to you this time around. If you just know the beautiful cotton we have in Ethiopia, we should be focusing on how to produce garments or products to scale into the export market. So, again, we become producers at these ridiculous rates. Governments, please be discerning about the choices you make in production. And we can implore creativity within this creative space of the clothing and apparel industry.
All right. So let's roll over to Echoes from New York with Edgy Benson. Edgy, welcome to the show. Who are you wearing and who made your clothes? Hi, Liz. Hi, everybody. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. What am I wearing today? Well, I'm wearing uh, one of our own brands, City Junk. But I do have my diesels on. I know this is not very good. <laughs> oh. One of the days where I say that we will fire you and I've said that we will do things to Diesel and they should have you as their brand ambassador. But anyway, moving on along, Edgy, welcome to the show. And uh, it is time for you to break it down on your echoes from New York. Welcome. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. And um, it's really wonderful to be on the show. I think today's topic is particularly important for me as a manufacturer and for my company. Um, the whole I, the whole issue of worker explo exploitation or uh, workplace conditions have been, for me, an obstacle, particularly like a like a roadblock I have to navigate to deliver products to customers as more and, as more and more designers and stores want to verify that they want to verify source of product they want to verify conditions at, at source you know for them to buy a product like Costco you have to have certain certifications to even deliver to them they want to make sure that it's sustainably produced or worker conditions are right so this whole issue of exploitation has been a big um, it's a, has been a has been really impactful for us as a manufacturing company for at least the last progressively though for the last 12 10 to at least six years progressively it's been a big a big a big important part of being allowed to deliver product to to certain to certain stores so uh, so it's a, it's a big uh, it's it's an important pro it's an important uh, element of of where fashion is today. But there are so many um, there are so many efforts to address it now. You know, being on the forefront for us, you see the efforts because you've got to provide this certification. So you know, governments are involved. You know, organizations are involved. They they want to make sure that you. Uh, you know, attaining certain certain levels, certain standards. You know, so one of the one of the organizations that actually does look after all of these kinds of like, you know, the, it's like the RAP certificate, which is a certificate that essentially it just says, you know, it just says worldwide responsible accredited uh, production. Uh, a lot of the vendors now won't accept you unless you actually have this RAP certificate, unless the, 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 the factory is RAP certified, you know? So there's a lot a lot happening. The thing is, in Africa, do we have enough? Is the fashion industry unionized enough or do they have enough leverage to demand conditions, you know? In other areas, the industry, the workforce is able to leverage and to, to unionize and get stronger and also the more the bigger the production uh parts an area enjoys the more influence the the, the 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 companies and the vendors have on that on that place because if costco is producing somewhere and they insist that workers must have the right 
conditions or they will not buy from you, of course you're going to insist. Of course you're going to make sure that those rules are followed. So I think one of the reasons for us in Africa that where we may have lapses in this area is just because we're not grow, we're not a big, we don't have such a big footprint. But again, that footprint is growing, you know. And as as it grows, I think that these rules are going to you know these conditions and these requirements are going to come to africa they're going to impact africa it's how what do we do as africans to make sure that companies in africa don't don't renege or they don't dodge from doing these things because there's just not enough pressure on them and the unions are not there to put pressure on them but they are they are expected to respect these rules and expected to make sure that uh, uh, you know what conditions are in in, in in a good place. I mean, rap essentially just says that you know the you have to comply with the laws. You know the workforce laws. You know there's no forced labor, no child labor. Just the basic things that we fight against. You know. But I, I just have a question, Edgy. I just have to ask: Is what is a rap? Uh, a representation of a group of brands because at the end of the day, ways ways who is warp who is warp catering to? Because there's like a billion brands in the world, and and I'm just curious to know: are there specific brands that have sort of formed a coalition that work with warp, or who's working with warp? Or who no, does warp is essentially just um, it, it's a, it's an initiative, like a global initiative to ensure good worker conditions. Uh, you know, compliances in, in terms of, you know, how a, a piece of garment is made, you know. So that is, is just an initiative. But for because a lot of the big stores, a lot of the big, uh, the big, the big, the big brands have adopted this initiative. It means that I cannot supply to Costco unless my factory has a wrap certificate. But you can see how something as little as that can have such an impact. Just yeah, but I, I wish. So what's happening to all the other big brands? Like, I'm just so like, I'm, so, so the brands that get into Costco have to go through this. Is that what you're saying? A lot of or is, brands. Or are not there just, other stores, not just, not just Costco? Okay. No, not just Costco. Every brand that sells to Costco, and there could be millions of brands that are selling to Costco. So you can see the impact. They have okay. to be, the factory has to be RAP certified to, to supply to that, you know, to for the, for the product to be at Costco, a clothing product. You know, so so now what happens to all of these other giant brands, like some of the brands I mentioned, from your H and M's to whoever else to Topshop and all of these other people? I mean, because this is really the biggest fashion giants who are really just doing things in a different way, and it, it's shocking, it's 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 upsetting, but it's it is what it is. It's happening. It's supposed to be across the globe. It's supposed to be across the board. But again. I think the application depends on how much the local it's most of these applications are very localized like if you're in Ethiopia and the government is not pushing you the companies may not push it you know but if you're in the US and the, 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 the customs will not clear you because Costco says no he has no RAP certificate of course you're gonna do it you know so I think it's it's we have to localize the impact you know the, the effort in Africa you know so that's and it, it comes down to just having the workers having the leverage to push, you know, and the fashion industry itself being conscientious enough to say, do you have a wrap certificate? Who produces your product? You know, my I wouldn't buy from you if 
I don't feel like it's ethically or sustainably produced, you know? That is what the brands are doing. One person does it, the factory will listen. They'll know that it's a coming tide, like a coming tide. At some point, they're going to have to listen to that. They're going to have to comply, you know? So, so I do think that there are things going on um, that are shaping this, the worker, the workforce, that they're, they're shaping that terrain and it's tilting more towards worker care, towards sustainability. I mean, that's the big elephant in the house. How do we achieve sustainability? And all the brands, like, okay, I think Gucci or is it Gucci, I think, or Vuitton. From next year, there will be no more fall, you know? These are all efforts that are very, they, they come out of this There will be no more, sorry, I missed that. There will be no more what? No more fur. No more La- fur in any of their garments. Yeah, but like, come on, are people still like on real fur? I mean, come on, four fur like took over like how many years ago? Are people still like stuck on well, well, you're I mean, I love, get... don't get it twisted. I'm, I'm, I'm Liz, I love fur and I did not kill the fox. But, but see that, see what, you just said it. See, like MS for instance, right? If MS wants to do real stuff for twenty for the next twenty years, they'll do it because people will buy it. But if they say no, I know you are so indulged, you're overindulged, you customer of mine, I'm no more giving you real fur, the customer will go with them. You know? Mm-hmm. So there are all these different points where each brand or each each of us can make a contribution, you know. Like the University of Oregon has this study, it's a very interactive um, Oregon State University has this really interactive uh, you know, look at rap itself. It, it, it just lays it out there and, and you know we've included this link for people to see. It just makes it so elementary to, for you to see when you buy that piece of that piece of that garment, who, who makes it, the impact it has on who makes it and the environment and how the industry is learning and trying to, to limit you know, this, you know, volatile context that we have with the environment and our, and our workforce. So just to, just to, to give you guys a more interactive, um, a more interactive look at what RAP is and what these initiatives can do. Here is um, a program, a, a link to a program from the university, the, the Oregon State University that gives you a very interactive look at RAP. It, it tells you, when you, for that piece of garment, what is involved? What are the relationships involved in making that piece of garment? So here is a link to a study or a program from Oregon State University that gives you a very interactive explanation or layout of how the RAP uh, initiative works. Here you go. Well, I think it's, it's kind of basic because you're wearing clothes and I'm wearing clothes. <laughs> and they, they have a story. They have a story of where they came from and who made them and what components are in them and what things come out, where those things go. It is such a huge, enormous issue in this, this planet that we live on that there's no way you can get around it. Enough time has been done to deny these kind of situations and now we just need to get down to the bottom of it and try and clean it up as best we can. So obviously auditing factories and making sure that people are in decent working conditions is going to be the bare minimum and it just extends on to there to everything.
I didn't know what to expect when I came here. I was really unsure. I just knew it was a week-long course and it would be pretty intensive, but it's been really fun and a lot more interactive than I thought it would be. It's been great. It's the interactive piece, um, role-playing, getting up and moving around, writing, working in teams. The great thing is the enthusiasm from the students. Once the students think, wow, it's like, to some extent, an enlightenment. I think I want to look at clothes a lot different, knowing how the designer's point of view can impact so much. Just wanting a price to go down for a certain piece could affect the factory, and not just one person, but like 500 people working at a factory. The way that Stuart presents the course, it's it's really, the, you, you see a thing happening and you know that it's not okay. And you know inherently in your heart and your mind it's not okay. You just have to remember what the law is that's gonna fit that situation, but you know it's not all right. They're gonna be the managers, they're gonna be the brand owners of the future. Now if these guys have an understanding now of what their actions going forward could mean to young work in India, Bangladesh, China, this is what we're looking to do so that there is a total understanding of the way people are treated and how people should be treated. Like I said, from that link, you can see how, you know, I hope it has helped to explain to you how initiatives like RAP work, how they're personalized and how they impact the processes of how, you know, how we produce garments, how we sensitize, sensitize those processes to take care of the environment and to achieve sense of, uh, sustainability. Thank you, Edu. That is fantastic. I now have learned a new thing because, you know, I'm trying to get something into Costco. I won't tell you what. But, guys, thank you so much. That's Edu Benson. Uh, he runs NUI New York. He's got some really cool insights. So, if you know it's better for you, in fact, uh, where can they follow you, Edu, please? We need to put those links at the end. Well, I'm on Instagram on Edu Benson, and my company is on NUI New York. Thank you. Thank you very much.
thank you guys and thank you so much Edgy, for those insights i've just learned something new because i am about to plug into uh that other side of the world and i've been looking at costco for one of my brand offerings but anyway it's good to know it's good news we are rolling over now to echoes from europe with francisca marzilli Hola, Francisca. Welcome to the show. Hola. What are you wearing? Hola, <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> buongiorno. Buongiorno. <laughs> so happy. So happy yes. to be with you today. Today thank you. I'm we wearing... also have... Thank you. I'm... Today I'm wearing uh, um, a light uh, sweater in uh, light purple made by Orfama. That is, a, is an, a huge, huge company that makes um, uh, the finest gauge knitwears. Uh, uh, and um, and uh, a trouser, blue trouser, by Zara Group. Did you say by Zara? Yes. I know. What can we do, right? <laughs> <laughs> now you know Zara in Europe is hot. <laughs> can I say this? <laughs> is, is the truth? You want you want the truth or do you want uh, what? We want the truth because the truth shall set us free. And Edgy, stay away from this conversation because you're wearing diesel for the last 20 years. So you stay. Yes, you can. Okay, Francisca, okay, let's okay. keep talking. Okay, I'm out. Yes. <laughs> well, Francisca, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining you. us. And what do we have today? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, uh, tap into your brain. Share with us your insights around this conversation. Well, uh, about uh, uh, about the exploitation in, in uh, work works. Uh, uh, in Europe, uh, we have uh, uh, here in Europe we have a very tight uh, uh, rules. Even if uh, sometimes there are sad exceptions, uh, or sometimes, uh, like everywhere, I think, uh, happen things that uh, should not uh, happen. But um, we have a, a very strict uh, fiscalization about uh, about the rules and about uh, workers' conditions. But uh, let me let me make a, a, a fast. Um, a further step, uh, thinking about the, the level of salaries here in Europe, that is very important because it's easy to uh, communicate uh, or blame uh, uh, something that uh, that is not, uh, it, it doesn't seem a good practice. Because uh, if, uh, if I say that someone uh, in Europe earns uh, 3,400 uh, euros uh, uh, for a year, um, in Italy, from an Italian point of view, uh, could appear like exploitation, but in Bulgaria, not. Europe has a lot of fragmentation between one state and other, so even if they are very close, uh, you have different uh, economies uh, together, but uh, working in a different way and in different uh, levels. So um, I made a, I made a, a short list about the most relevant uh, differences between the the, the, the wages uh, between uh, the minimum is uh, in Bulgaria as I said three hundred four uh, no three thousand four hundred thirty six euros year and uh, in Denmark always united uh, uh, European Union. Uh, a maximum of uh, 38,596 euros. You know, so, sorry, like Francisca. A, yeah. Sorry, Francisca. Is that like the wages average of what the labor, what is the this, labor market offers um, the no, laborers? Or this is uh, the um, minimum uh, wage guaranteed. 
if you work in a, in the lowest in the lowest segment of uh, uh, of the in the lowest segment of salaries, you find this this uh, amounts. So you so, say, for example, you said in Denmark. What did you give as an example? For instance, I gave an example of Denmark that, that is the highest um, uh, warranted uh, uh, wage of Europe is 38,596 euros. Per what? Year. Per month? Per year? Okay, per year. 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 And then what so What does you, that make it? Do, do we have any mathematician in the house? What does that bring it to? I just want to, I'm asking that because I want to compare it to... Hawassa Park in Ethiopia and the whole situation of 26 averagely 26 dollars a month. That's not yeah. That would be. But uh, we want to compare. Then, then that would be almost three three thousand euros a month. That is mm. reasonable. Yeah. Mm. So and low and what about the lowest? Um, the lowest is in Bulgaria. Which the lowest is, is in like Bulgaria. What? That is uh, three thousand four hundred thirty-six euros. Per year, yeah, yeah, that's hardly it's 200 dollars. You know, you know, it's, it's easy to, to say that uh, a worker is exploited when you have a, a so huge difference. Yes, for me, for me, that I, I'm Italian, I'm in Lisbon, in Lisbon, in, in Portugal, for instance, the the. Um, the annual earning of a single of a single added worker in the minimum level of wage is eight thousand four hundred per year. You know, for which my point would bring, of view, and then which would bring it? The, I'm, I'm curious about the Portugal. Edgy, you're doing very good maths. What's the Portugal? What's the monthly? What are we talking monthly on that? If it's eight thousand a year, the no, monthly like seven hundred dollars somewhere around there. So about how many, how much dollars? About 700. So, you know, for me, again, the reason I'm asking this question is now imagine the $26 a month multiplied by 12. That's like literally like that's, I'm just trying to compare the wages as you guys talk. Yeah, because that, that, is, surely, that is like, my God, that's $200 That's like the scam year. of the art. That's like the, that's like. That's $200 that's a year, quite honestly. Really yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just to give you an idea about uh, the, um, you need to relativize when you talk about uh, exploitation because somewhere it's uh, uh, the, the same amount in in one in one state is a lot in one state it's, it's um, less than the less than the minimum so it's very difficult you have to contextualize of course. Uh, the amount of Ethiopia is difficult for me yes. to, to imagine that it's uh, that it's, uh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's not okay, of course. Mm. I can imagine that it's not okay, of course. But uh, um, it's important to 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 see in perspective how do we judge it? Because uh, because uh, uh, as, I, as I already said, if if. Uh, if you compare uh, different states, also in the United Europe, that is very, very, it's a small space comparing to the United States or to the whole Asia or to the whole Africa, in, there are very, very, uh, a lot of differences. So we need to, to relativize, to, to contextualize the, the values and the amounts 
when we talk about exploitation because uh, uh, it's po possibly in a um, Staying, staying in the in the European European Union that I know that I live in uh, is uh, is very is very easy to to talk about exploitation if I think uh, from Copenhagen that in Bulgaria they earn uh, less than the minimum. But uh, but it, it, it possibly is uh, is all regular and is all uh, is all uh, is all okay. So, um, uh, talking about uh, uh, after after this, uh, it's important to to take a, um, to take a, uh, to, to take a look about the age of the uh, employability, because if you go in the, in the, some states of uh, Asia, employed children is not. Uh, is, is, 12, 40 years is not uh, uh, is not out of the of the law. For instance, here in Europe, uh, before the 16 age, you can't employ anyone. Hmm. In Brazil, you can employ from 14, but just as an apprentice. So hmm. there are different uh, parameters to to consider. And uh, I take the, the opportunity to, to thank the um, Faria and Oliveira Advogados and the Suarez da Silva Advogados for this information that our uh, Bureau of uh, Attorneys that, that um, uh, gave me this uh, information. And uh, All right. uh, always talking about, uh, um, always talking about uh, exploitation, uh, we need to consider the outsourcing matter. I can say that uh, everyone is looking for um, is looking for the best price for the best quality. Uh, but uh, a new sensitivity, uh, thanks to the communications and thanks to the um, also the the bloggers, um, is uh, is developing more and more. Um, apropos of uh, bloggers, I have an, an interesting point of view from the uh, Luis Oliveira of Fashion Blog, uh, Beautiful. Olá, everyone. I am Luís Oliveira from Portugal. I am the Chief Creative Officer of the OliveiraFashionBlog.com, where I explore the relationship between fashion and medicine. Before I start, I want to thank the opportunity to talk about this important subject, namely exploitation in the fashion sector. In fact, we are in a fragile and delicate time where we are realizing the consequences of our daily choices. For example, when we buy a clothes, we are not just buying a piece, we are buying the brand identity and all the work that people does uh, in the fashion cycle uh, and we are buying a business model. Ultimately, we should think if what we are buying is aligned with our inner uh, soul, because the consequences are not just related to the self, but also related to everyone that works in such company, and in the end to the world itself. Many actions are nowadays being taken to raise of awareness about this subject, 
Thanks to the fashion revolution global movements, we have now knowledge about enslaving, anger, exploit, overwork, harass, abuse or discriminate against the garment workers. But it can be extended to many other intervenients in the fashion cycle and process. I am talking about the abuse of models underage, about the delusional fake rich moments in fashion weeks that just exist and barely in a range of hours. I am talking about the fake promise. And And I am also talking about fashion bloggers who create content in a very personal level, yet professional and insightful, that is shaping fashion, brands and marketing, but who in the end many times are even not paid and live in a constant fully day stress to build creative content for a million of platforms. Do you want to know the climax of that story? Well, it, it will end with people in a poor health status. Not just compromising the mental health, but also physical. Because these two are close interconnect in both ways. But many of us know that. And so it makes me wonder when the knowledge will actual, actually mean action. Worthy to think about, right? Thanks for listening. So uh, this is a more one more point of view, and this is a, one more segment uh, of uh, fashion uh, that um, is involved uh, in uh, sometimes in uh, exploitation cases. But um, of course, uh, this is uh, this is a very short time to talk about uh, so huge argument. I hope uh, to have the possibility to talk uh, more about this. Thank you. Thank you to the Faria Oliveira Advogados about the Brazilian laws and the Suarez da Silva Advogados about the Portuguese laws and the consulenza ask.it for the Italian laws. Thank you very much, Francisca. And Thank yes, you. we can continue to uh, unwrap and unpack this as we go on later. Thank you, guys. This is the Fashion Lab. Uh, this is how we hold it down every Tuesday uh, between 7 and 9 p.m. Central African time. And we will be right back after the break. Mm. It's glamour-ish. Uh, thank you guys uh, for tuning in. Uh, this is the show that dissects the business behind fashion. And we've been having this conversation dissecting uh, the sort of topic around labor exploitation in the fashion industry, which goes way beyond. Now, allow me to welcome our uh, glamish segment with Zakia Bam. And let's just see or pick her brain around uh, this conversation from a glamish perspective. Welcome to the show, Zakia. Hi everyone, this is your girl Zakia Bam, the Makeup Maverick for the Glamish segment here on Fashion Lab Africa Radio. So today we are discussing labor exploitation in the makeup industry. So this is one that is uh, really close to my heart. It's a really important topic, especially when it comes to the makeup industry. As we know, the world of creative, the creative world is a highly competitive and unpredictable and is already stigmatized as being a gamble to get into. Exploitation happens in numerous ways. For example, every payment that is refused to us, every credit that is held back, or for the promise of collaborations that don't seem to pan out in the end for the artist. In a world where money makes the calls, passion isn't enough to sustain us. Artists work to fuel our passions. Makeup artist prices usually range according to the area, the local competition, target audience, and the experience in the field. 
Most importantly, are they able to create an extension of a look based on a story being told? They should have a keen eye and are usually the first on set and the last to leave. A world without artists is a world without fantasy, boldness and dreams, and with their creations reveal an an alternate universe to us. Art is a manifestation of our deepest desires and anxieties. Experienced artists learn, we learn how to deal and work around tight time time constraints, different types of surroundings and how to achieve the best possible results using a combination of skincare, quality makeup products, paints and even props. It's businesses that create briefs and in turn creatives that complete the briefs by assisting in bringing a vision to life. These last few years has definitely seen the upraise of makeup artists with the likes of Sir John in Makeup by Mario who has highlighted the importance of makeup artists and the extensive knowledge into products when creating beauty collections and formulations by telling stories through their makeup products. Most of the ignorance seems to come from companies and individuals who see creative work as something to be bought like a product or unimportant, rather than understanding and respecting that creativity and creation are skills that should be worth paying for in the same way that you would pay for any other service. Whether you visit a dentist, mechanic or designer, you pay for what's made, but you also pay for the labor involved. So just something to think about. Um, That's all for today. This is your girl, Sakia Bam. Love and light. Bye.
It's time for your wine style guide. Brought to you by Liz Ogunga Wines. Uh, now we are rolling over to the one and only wine style guide. And Francisca, it is up to you to set the tone. Here we go. Talk to us. <laughs> um, something to chill in the summer days. Uh, for me, it's a good Prosecco di Valdobbiadene. Well, well chilled to, to start uh, a good uh, dinner or to, to end the night. Oh, well, Prosecco. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> yes. Edgy, <laughs> what is your wine style guide today? Well, you know, I'm, just, I'm sticking with stilettos and shorter than short cocktail dresses and that <laughs> glass of wine. You always okay. have cocktail dresses in the wine style guide. What exactly. That's okay. what, for me, that's what I think about wine. I'm thinking cocktail, cocktail dresses. <laughs> because I don't drink wine, you know. I, I have very short memories and connections to wine. Well, we'll just take that one for now, guys. But sorry, let me come back heavy. I think for me today, my wine style guide is heavy. the pay. The amount of attention we pay to the level of wine in your glass. I think that that is something to definitely pay attention to. A lot of you come and say, yeah, you know, I'm a wine enthusiast about wine. I'm like, let's see first. Let's see. Be- just because you have a goblet doesn't mean we have to fill up. The- this is not beer, you know, and it's not gin. Well, I don't know where, what levels, sorry. I don't want to offend the giners, but with wine, if you have a beautiful goblet, you want to serve it within a certain level just below half is what i recommend just below half and for the rest of you you can share your thoughts and uh smash me or throw your wine to me or let me and uh, introduce you to mine you know but that is my tip for the day and uh now we are rolling over to the fashion lab top three wine style guide brought to you by liz ogunga wines Thank you so much. That was the wine style guide brought to you by Lizzo Gumba Wines. Now we are on to the Fashion Lab Top 3. Now, these top three Fashion Lab tips around running an ethical fashion business based on the conversations and just the, you know, the, the way that things have flown today. Some of the insights we've been able to gather from our contributors and our guests on the show today. And uh, the first one is ethics. The second one is transparency and accountability. And the third Fashion Lab Top 3 on the top three is responsibility. Ali e 
wete Bona huni taki Dio nimekonda Kweli sija sijanona Nimekupenda Umeniruka Kwamba sijanona Eti nimekonda Akini awete Bona huni taki Dio nimekonda Kweli sijanona Nimekupenda Umeniruka Kwamba sija sijanona Kweli nimekonda of the show which is my favorite segment of the show it's called who would you want to dress and why and this is where we just sort of get to think about who we want to dress and why really it's quite straightforward i'm gonna roll it over to francisca to sort of set the pace because if i give it to edgy to begin we're just going to trouble go find us so <laughs> francisca, <laughs> francisca who would you want to dress and why today today i would like to dress uh, edgy benson mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> With a charming shirt, with uh, a, a black tuxedo, like uh, the smoking kind, and uh, one pair of diesel jeans. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow. Francisca, I thought you I thought you were on my team and at this point I can't anymore. I don't know whose team you're on. I don't understand it, but okay, fine. How do you I don't know. I don't know why we are bringing Diesel back to Edgy when the idea was to actually take it away from Edgy, but thank you Francisca. Edgy, who would you want to dress and why today? So normally I don't dress celebrities, 
But you can I'm dress making... anyone. It can be. It can be any. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm you're making right. an exception to that. Uh, but it's not somebody that I don't know if she's popular. But there's I have a, a, a friend of mine who is like a celebrity stylist, and I would love to put her in a pair of new boots that would made um, just ankle boots and a short tunic uh, tunic dress, just the way that I pictured it, and I think she does. I'm all about tunics and boots, and ankle boots. Very nice. Does she have a name? Yes. She's a super stylist. Her name is Sophia. Sophia Lenore. Right. Well, a, thank you. Yeah. And following her. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you did. Yeah. I, I'm glad that you didn't have to dress me or Francisca today. So that's good. Oh, uh, I, today had that I, the, I had that in no, my no, back no, 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 no. I beg. I, 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 Hey, not these children, rascals. <laughs> Today, I want to dress a very, I think she's a beautiful woman. And I, I'm like I said, I also dress random people here and there. And I don't get really, really fascinated much. Her name is Mel uh, Dandridge. Now, she's a Japanese-born American actress and singer who performed in a number of stage productions. Yeah, but for her. a lot of you who may know her, you may know her from Greenleaf. I think there's mm -hmm. something so so big and bold and beautiful and and like exceptionally just effortless about this woman she she really is the epitome of of beauty for me today she's not a skinny skinny girl so she's not dying no anorexia no bones sticking out none of that she's so she is a bit curvy as well i think she's got a beautiful body and she's got she seems like i mean maybe just because i fell in love with her in that you know from the cast from that um green leaves i'm just thinking this is who i'm dressing today <laughs> and i probably want to put her into one of my pieces from my 12 years of brand it's a beautiful empire line um maxi uh it's got a drop down v back and a drop down v front as well but Something really sophisticated, simple, because anything you put this woman on, she just turns up and looks like she took the house down. Anyway, that's my that's my two cents. That's it. That's my all now. Uh -huh. Awesome. So, <laughs> so yes, guys, uh, share with us your thoughts or share with us your who's and your why's. Uh, we're on Twitter at Fashion Lab AF. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Fashion Lab Africa. Now... We are definitely winding down and uh, Francisca and Edgy, thank you for always making time to uh, be a part of this. I don't think this is something anyone can do alone. It's great to have these different insights from around everywhere. I also hope that for those of you who are tuned in, that this conversation has actually shed more light into how you understand what's going on behind the scenes and how you could actually be the change now that you know and now that you know better. Information is, is, is power, right? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so we are, um, for those who want to find out what Fashion Lab represents and more, we are on fashionlabafrica.com. And if you want to email us and share with us what topics you'd like to hear from the show uh, to help you elevate uh, this African fashion industry and sort of propel us to the right direction, you're welcome to email us at info at fashionlabafrica.com. Uh, I want to get some last thoughts. Uh, last sort of, I want to throw it around the table Francisca, we'll start with... No, we've been starting with you. Edgy, let's start with you. Just your la last thoughts to share with our listeners uh, before we check out. I think for me, it's just taking a leap from what Francisca was saying. 
I see a lot of good things happening in the space of worker care, like in the salaries, in the salary space, you know. Um, in America, loss of expertise in the field of fashion is driving salaries up. And that is in a sense equalizing this this all these issues, you know. The worker can only be get, can only be paid well because there's no other one to do it, mm-hmm. you know? So that in itself is really helping, although regulations are in place now, minimum wages are going up. But before all of that, just loss of expertise is equalizing the, the space and making people, employers and vendors, make sure that people get paid well. I think salaries are a big part of, of just worker care. That's a good one. I hope that you guys are tuned in and that you have or you are um, getting some extra value out of this conversation today. Um, Francisca, what are your last thoughts on parting shots? I would uh, recommend uh, all of us, in, in the end we are all consumers, to, to, to think about uh, quality. Quality that is not uh, only the raw fiber we are buying, but uh, is uh, also about uh, conditions uh, of workers, uh, about the environment, of, uh, about uh, sustainability in general. Um, is a very it's a very huge challenge of this uh, epoch but uh, i think uh, it's worth it and uh, will never disappoint us thank you thank you francisca awesome. um i want to say that you know despite all of this and like i said hawasa park in ethiopia is just one of the scenarios there's so many stories like if we had to sit down we'd all lie down for like a, a year just sharing stories around labor exploitation um, and another thing i want you guys to list to remember is based on what zakia also shared earlier it's not just fashion the fashion industry is not just the production laborers who produce or manufacture it actually goes beyond so you find it in and you will i'm sure for those of you who listened to her sort of feedback you will find it in the makeup industry you'll find it in a lot of other industries i mean the same industry but across different value chains within the same industry so exploitation is a big thing yes the laborers uh, who work or focus on manufacturing has been like the biggest cases but it goes way beyond so my two cents is i'm just still interested in knowing and following up uh based on the fact that addis addis ababa still plans to boost clothing exports to a, t- a total of 30 billion a year from its current 145 million and i'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to be able to sort of set it, set up some some something has to be done i mean to be able to even move to that level it's great that there is a demand for what they're doing and it's great that that can boost the economy but it can't boost the economy and satisfy the people if it's not done ethically and if the people are not in the mind or in the bottom line so my two cents today for those of you who are tuned in is be ethical in the way that you play and only good will come back your way for those who caught up the show halfway you're you know you can still catch the podcast on massivemetro.com and do not forget to visit us for more on fashionlabafrica.com until next week it's toodles <laughs> ciao Ciao, 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 guys. Bye, everyone. Beijo, beijo. Bye, bye. Bacione.